This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Ho, ho, ha, ha. Remember me, old chum? Welcome to THN, cover to cover for Saturday, December 5th, coming to you live in front of a studio audience from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area. Folks, nerds, my name is Matt Bob. What an intro. I know. It's huge. And I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick. Here's how it works. Every Saturday morning at 1030 Central, Matt and I go live on our Facebook page to wrap up about the week's nerd news. And then we open the phone lines at 11 for you guys to play along. It's totally radical. You can call us at 402-819-4894. Or you can click our Facebook call now button if you can't remember phone numbers. Or you can just watch us live on Facebook and chat with us there. Or you can jump into our Zoom and look at us live there and interact as well and talk to us on the show. If you can't call in live, that's fine. You can leave us a message anytime at the phone number or you can send us an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. But before we get into it and start talking to these nerds, Joe Patrick, let's give them a little something to talk about. It is time for your Saturday morning THN Nerd News. Nerd News. Quick one, you gotta watch me. I know. I'm always ready. I know. From the Bendis TV desk, Naomi comes to TV. It's about time. (laughs) (laughs) It's about damn time. (laughs) She's been around for five whole minutes. (laughs) Move over, Wonder Girl. Director Ava DuVernay is adapting Brian Michael Bendis' creation and Naomi into a live action television series for the DCCWU. That is the official title. Yes. Uh, Naomi McDuffie, named after the late Dwayne McDuffie, was created by writers Brian Michael Bendis and David F. Walker and artist Jamal Campbell. She first appeared in the pages of Naomi number one from D.C. in March 2019. Take note, speculators. I'm go. sure the price is skyrocketing. Oh, I bet it's already. I'll look it up while you keep going. According to Deadline, DuVernay will write and executive produce the Naomi project alongside Arrow writer and co-executive producer Jill Blankenship. The, uh, the series is described as following, quote. <laughs> Sorry, I just saw the prices that it's going for. <laughs> okay. A teen, girl's a, journey, a teen girl's journey from her small northwestern town to the heights of the multiverse when a supernatural event shakes her hometown to the core. Naomi sets out to uncover its origins and what she discovers will challenge everything we believe about our heroes. A Naomi series would join upcoming DC projects based on DC properties, such as Painkiller, which is a spinoff of Black Lightning, which is concluding with its fourth season. I didn't know Painkiller was a thing. I had no idea. Painkiller is um, one of the main characters. Yeah, but I didn't know it was getting spun off is all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, And of course, Wonder Girl, which we talked about last week, uh, which is based on the publisher's first post-Future State comic series. Naomi was one of the first titles to launch under the Wonder Comics imprint curated by Bendis, which also saw the relaunch of uh, the fan favorite Young Justice comic. A brief encounter with Superman in her small town of Port Oswego, Oregon, sent Naomi on her origin story. Throughout her miniseries, she learned that her parents came from another Earth in the multiverse. 
And she, of course, discovered she has extraordinary powers. She eventually joined Young Justice. And a second volume of her comic by Bendis, Walker, and Campbell is due to come out eventually. In the future! (laughs) So, Naomi is coming to CW. It's going to be a thing. Uh, Right now, if I were to tell you, if I were to ask you, what do you think, non-CGC, what do you think the highest price that speculators are asking for the first appearance of Naomi? 2018, a comic that was definitely printed very well and not hard to find. And I'm pretty sure it didn't fly off the shelves at the time. What do you think the highest price they're asking for? The highest price they're asking for or yes. the highest price they're getting? Asking for. Asking. Non-CGC. Oh, gosh. This is just a near mint copy. Here you go. 100 bucks. $115. They're <laughs> There's CGC 9.8s on here for $229. This is insanity. $249. I just fell <laughs> Come on. <laughs> ridiculous. Is That's Wonder Comics ridiculous. still uh, like happening? Is this, I, mean, I know Young Justice is still being printed, but is Wonder Comics still a thing? Or is Bendis- no, Young Justice ended. Oh, Young Justice right. ended. That's right. Uh, I mean, really, the only thing, uh, there was Amethyst, but it keeps getting delayed. And I think that was just going to be a mini. But that's it. Bendis is off action this month. I mean, basically. so Action and Superman, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what the future of any of this is outside of a future Naomi project and a CW show, which, good. We need more black characters in the CW-verse. There are black characters, but none of them seem to be main characters outside of, you know, Black Lightning, who is just lightning, I guess, or whatever. So this is good. And it's a good thing. And it's, she's a great character. And again... Like we were talking about with the Wonder Girl, she's very blank slate. We don't have to worry about yeah. going back and rewriting origins or changing things. Like, you can do whatever you want with Naomi. And when they start talking right. about multiversal stuff, I have a feeling, I think it would be cool anyway, that they are going to see her hopping around, seeing different universes, different parts of the DC universe and whatnot. That could be a well, lot of fun. Here's the thing. Uh, here's the thing. Oh, no. I'm wrong. Never mind. Uh I was going to say that at the end of Crisis on Infinite Earths, the TV sh- uh, event, the multiverse collapsed into one, which is true, which is how we got Flash and Supergirl and everybody back all on one Earth. Oh, that's right. I forgot. But the multiverse was then reborn at the end. So, and then, so that's when they said, <laughs> okay, so the Swamp Thing. Uh, the Swamp Thing show takes place on this Earth. The Teen Titans show takes place on this Earth. Right. Stargirl, you know. Um, so, yes, you're right. The The CW multiverse is a very real thing, and I think that would be cool. But I kind of find it hard to believe that she'll be able to, like, other than other CW shows, like showing up on Stargirl. Oh, no, no, no. It'll be CW like, stuff. I obviously. doubt we're ever going to see her like, ooh, she's on the Titans Earth. No, you know? no. I, I, yeah. And I don't even know if the Titans is going to have another season, quite honestly. They announced it, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it's planned. <laughs> like they've even released some like they released a new character design for Starfire, which actually gives her a proper outfit. Oh, hey, proper costume. instead of her like go-go outfit. <laughs> instead of yeah, dressing is. like a stripper. <laughs> yeah. Um. They also aired Titans last week for Thanksgiving on TNT. So, <laughs> like, edited for television, I guess. I don't know. So he couldn't say. It was like, there's like, aren't you supposed to be with Batman? And he's like, Murph Batman. Fudge Batman. <laughs> yeah, fudge Batman. <laughs> Fug it, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it, it's weird because uh, the CW has also been airing Swamp Thing, yeah. you know, an episode a week for a few months now. And it's like, whoa. And it's edited. They definitely cut back some of the be, gore. Yeah. They it's cut back, like, which, yeah, I, I just don't get it. It's too bad because, like, one of the best things about the Swamp Thing was, like, the horror aspect. They went full horror. It was gross. Some of it was hard to watch, and I loved it. Like, that's exactly what it should be. And now we're going to try and tame it down a little bit and put it on TV. Bet it's not going to work that great. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. From the trauma desk, Toxie finally returns. Many of you are probably too young to remember trauma films, the grindhouse B-movie studio that terrorized the 80s with movies like Class of Newcomb High and Surf Nazis Must Die. Both are classics. They don't hold up well in today's polite society, but... Troma changed independent cinema at the time and showed amateur filmmakers everywhere that with very little money, a little cocaine, and a few girls that are willing to take their tops off, you too can make a movie. Fans of Troma had reason to celebrate this week when Deadline reported Game of Thrones star Peter Dinklage is set to star in Legendary's new Toxic Avenger reboot directed by Macon Blair. We'll get more on him in a minute. It was not a name I recognized. The new Toxic Avenger is being billed as a contemporary reimagining of Troma Entertainment's successful 1984 low-budget action comedy hit. The Toxic Avenger is steeped in environmental themes and subverts the superhero genre in the vein of Deadpool. When a struggling everyman is pushed into a vat of toxic waste, he is transformed into a mutant freak who must go from shunned outcast to underdog hero as he races to save his son, his friends, and his community from the forces of corruption and greed. This is the part that I'm happy about. Troma's Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Hertz are going to serve as producers, which is good. Because we've often seen, when we try to reboot things, I don't know, say... RoboCop, for example. You take something that has aged very well and is still great for what it is, and then try and give it a modern update, it sure does neuter the property. <laughs> so, I look, I'm not going to see the Toxic Avenger or any of the Toxic Avengers movies. There were several of them. There was part two, the part three, The Last Temptation of Toxie, and Citizen Toxie. I would say you can stop after part two. Part three and the other ones get pretty fucking ridiculous, right? But they were important in the sense that you had these people literally scraping together a little bit of cash and making a ridiculous, offensive, you know, like nudie, <laughs> violent, just ridiculous movie. And they were so fun. And I don't, I'm afraid if it gets a big budget and it gets sexed up, it could lose a lot of what made that stuff great. Now, when you have a name like Dinklage on board, that's not a guy that makes a lot of bad decisions. So I have a feeling this could be a lot of fun. For those of you who don't know, Toxic Avenger also went on to become a stage musical. It was a children's cartoon TV series called Toxic Crusaders. Watch for bonus content coming from occasional guest host Dave DeMarco and myself. We have a new show coming called Tunes That Time Forgot. The first one we're going to do is going to be all about Toxic Crusaders. Because, oh my God, <laughs> it is something. <laughs> Toxie also had a Marvel comic. Now, who is making Blair, you may ask? Blair was an actor in several films, 
like Green Room, which was a story about a punk rock band that witnesses a murder in a club when some racist skinheads kill somebody and they have to fight their way out. He was in a couple other lesser known horror films and. Oh, yeah, I recognize that guy. Yeah. You, you see his face. You will totally recognize him. He's not huge, but this is his like. He's a hey, it's that guy. Yeah, he's a hey, it's that guy. But he made his directorial debut with a Netflix release called I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore, starred Melanie Linsky and Elijah Wood. It won the Grand Jury Prize, a 2017 Sundance Festival. So this guy is for real. He's a real filmmaker. And he comes from kind of a grindy thriller horror background. Murder House was the movie I, or Murder Party was the movie I'd seen him in. And it was fun. It was a good time. So if they're going to take this seriously and they're going to be as reverent as they can to it and kind of go the Deadpool route where they make fun of themselves. Oh, duh, he was on, duh, he was on the Swamp Things show. Yeah. If they're going to go that direction with it, I'm all for it. I just want it to be good and I want it to be silly and I want it to be gross and I want it to be, you know, incendiary. It should be. It should upset people because that's what trauma did back in the day. They did not make films for polite society. They made films to offend people. And it was great. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I have nothing. I, I have no uh, history at all with the Toxic Avenger. I've never seen the movies. I don't think I've ever seen the cartoon. Um, oh, nobody I, saw I mean, the cartoon. I, you know, I hope it's good. You know, more power to him. Peter Dinklage is great. Oh, yeah. Um, trauma is... Uh, the place that gave us James Gunn, you know, that's where James Gunn put right. his teeth uh, working next to Lloyd Kaufman. A, and, a lot of guys came out of the trauma studio yeah. where it taught you, they were guys that looked at like movies like Halloween, like what Carpenter did and made it big. He made a very inexpensive slasher film, arguably the first great slasher film on a very small budget, just being creative. And they yeah. looked at this and said, I can do that. I can totally do that. And just went nuts with it because studios weren't going to give them money to make these piece of crap. The movies were garbage, but the kind of garbage that you've got to see to believe they made their own effects. They're incredible what they did. And it all kind of came from that evil dead Halloween, you know, they Raimi and Carpenter and these guys, Oh, they deserve their place in history. I just want this to be good. I want it to be reverent to that and not too polished. Well, for your sake, I hope so. Yeah. Ugh. I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic here. Okay, good. From the please, please, please subscribe to HBO Max desk, <laughs> WB is going all in for one month on HBO Max. <laughs> Recently, Warner Brothers announced that DC nerds are going to get a special Christmas present. Wonder Woman 1984 would land on the streaming service HBO Max on Christmas Day, the same time it debuts in theaters. Uh, the idea was widely seen as an experiment, you know, pandemic and all that. But this week, Variety reports that Warner Brothers' entire 2021 slate of films, including Matrix 4, Dune, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's uh, In the Heights, The Sopranos prequel, which I didn't even know was a thing. It's a thing. It, it, it's called The Many Saints of Newark, uh, The Suicide Squad. Huge movies, including a bunch of nerd shit, will debut both on HBO Max and in theaters on their release date, like day one. Here's a catch. 
Yes. Uh, like Wonder Woman, the films that Warner Brothers plans to release in 2021 will be available to HBO Max subscribers for 31 days. After the one month mark, the movies will be, then like go back to theater exclusivity like it would be traditionally uh, until they come to home, uh, you know, on demand or DVD or whatever. From there, people can rent through online platforms like, hey, you know how to rent movies. Sure. Uh, it is not clear whether or not or when uh, the titles will come back to HBO Max. Do you think they would eventually? They will. Of course they will. I, they I will. mean, it's like right now, the way this is being worded is, look, COVID's not going away and it's going to yeah. get way worse. And everybody that thinks like, oh, well, look, there wasn't a spike over Thanksgiving. That's because people weren't getting tested over Thanksgiving. There will be a spike <laughs> shortly well, and afterwards. And also because it takes two weeks to figure out. There's that as well. Yeah. And they know that people aren't going to be going to theaters. We, we were just looking at some numbers before the show started. The Crudes was like the big family Thanksgiving release. And in a week, in a five-day period, which is normally massive, everybody goes to the movies, right? The Crudes made $14 million. Especially over Thanksgiving. Yeah, nationwide. That is nothing. That is pre-COVID, complete disaster. So they want to get this stuff in front of people, and it makes sense. And they're act the other funny thing is they act like this is ex an experiment. This already happens in Japan and Korea. Like, day and date stuff happens all the time there. So it's just an experiment for us because big box office movie theaters are so directly tied to the studio. And they're dying right now. They're absolutely dying. And that's sad. I love going to the movies, but you know what? I'm perfectly excited to watch Dune at home. I'm, if I can yeah. take some shrooms and sit with my shirt off in my pajamas and, and just let Dune melt my brain, <laughs> fuck yeah. That's not something I can do in the theater. I'll get arrested. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, the Warner Media uh, CEO, Ann Sarnoff, she's calling it a one year plan and says that they, don't have any plans to continue this into 2022. Uh, they're considering it a temporary solution in response to the uh, pandemic. Yeah. But I mean, this is going to deal a blow to theaters big time. Well, like, uh, theaters that are already struggling. Yes and no. People aren't going to be going to the theaters anyway. And I would argue, furthermore, it is irresponsible for theaters at this point to invite people to come there. It's absolutely irresponsible. I'm not saying I want theaters to go away or they should be punished, but we're dealing with a pandemic, the likes of which this planet has probably never seen. <laughs> and, and I mean, what was it? They were saying two people are dying a minute in the United States of COVID this week. This is not a point where we should be going to movie theaters. It's irresponsible. Right. And for the big box office movie theaters to be like, no, come on in. That's not cool. And they also probably know that with a new administration coming in, if things get worse, there will be a nationwide shutdown until we can yeah. end this. So yeah. this is a great idea. This, and we need this. I'm at home. I'm depressed. I haven't hung out with any of my friends. I'm drinking more than I ever have. This podcast is one of my only outlets to the real world other than the dog park. Please give me the movies that I was excited about because it's all that I've got right now. I know. know? I know. <laughs> and, like, I love, I love going to the theater. I love it. It's I do my, too. It's one of my favorite things to do. But, like, there's just... There's no way. And it, as much as it sucks, uh, 
for the businesses. And I get it. We just, we, we can't act like life is normal. No, we cannot. Can't. We cannot. And this is a good step. And I get it. And like, yeah, do it for a year, whatever. Fine. If they figure out that there's a way to make a shitload of money on this, it's going to last longer than a year. But oh, yeah, for do sure. it for a year. We'll all get our vaccinations and then we can all go back to the theater and scream and yell and get on our cell phones and have conversations while people are trying to watch Spitting each movie. other's mouths. Yeah. <laughs> <Whatever. You know. laughs> but for all now. All that stuff we used to do at the movies. This is what we have to do. And you know who this is good for? Samsung. LG. Sony, anybody that makes big screen TVs. I mean, (laughs) you know, anybody that makes home theater audio equipment, this is going to be gangbusters for those guys. So (laughs) like, I think at this point, I I think other studios are, are going to wait and see, you know? Uh, but well, there's already news that like Paramount is looking at something. This has to, Sony is looking at something. They all need to follow suit. Yeah. They need to follow suit. Well, they're going to. You've got, you've got your peacocks, you've got your Netflixes, you know, you've got places to release these movies. You've right. got Disney plus. And it's already working. If you look like Sorkin released his uh, trial of Chicago seven on Netflix and it was massive, absolutely massive and, and made a ton of money. So this works and we can't just keep pushing this shit back. You can't. I know. It's just. I, I'm curious. I'm curious how Disney did with that Mulan uh, thing with, you know, um, having to pay the $30 upcharge. They're saying it was a, it was a success in the sense that there was an uptick in subscribers, a big uptick in subscribers for it. And those subscribers paid money. So on top of subscription fees, they paid 30 bucks to see Mulan. Now it's also one of the first times they've done it. So is it a success? Hard to know. Did the movie make its money back? No, not yet. But it's also, you know, the first time they've done it. And it looks like a big success on paper for Disney Plus, which was already a gigantic success thanks to the Mandalorian and Marvel shows that are coming and stuff like that. Yeah, right. So if that's the model, I don't have a problem with it. Bring it home. And yeah, I'll even pay for it to watch it at home. I don't care. I mean, I won't pay for it, but a lot of people will pay for it. <laughs> I, I mean, I think 30 bucks is steep. I, I know that I know the idea is like, well, if yeah. you've ever, you're a family of four, then it's nothing, you know, it's you also like going to the movies. You also own it at that point until such time that they Except take the DRM away. <laughs> right. And you don't have anything um, physical. <laughs> I just, you know, it, it, it's news like this with, with HBO, with WB just saying, Hey, you're already paying for HBO. Here you go. Right. Um, wh- like where is black widow? like give me that movie goddamn it's gonna happen yeah i i I think it's going to happen with news like this coming to hbo max disney is gonna have to make i mean this is putting a gun to all their heads basically and saying hey we've we've spun the chamber and we're gonna pull the trigger are you guys ready to try (laughs) you know so it's gonna happen all right it's time to get these phone lines open and talk to you nerds but before we do i need you to reset the goddamn question of the week i got it this week's question was submitted by Frank Cirillo via the THN forums. I was thinking about how the current Tony Stark in Marvel Comics is based pretty heavily on the portrayal of Robert Downey Jr. as Tony. Uh, before that, I don't remember Iron Man being quite that witty or quippy. So with this in mind, how have the comic versions of characters changed because of an actor's performance or iconic look? Par example, Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury. Yeah, for the good or for the bad. But yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm going to 
get JD going here. We I don't, don't know. We need Samuel to get into Jackson. this whole thing about you, your memories of Iron Man again. No, I'm we not. We talked about this. I'm, I'm saying I don't actually know that Samuel Jackson is a good example because they made him Nick Fury's son in the comics. Well, well and, also, and also because he was Sam. Sam Jackson was Nick Fury before he was Nick Fury in the films too, because they did that in Ultimates. Yeah, that's right. True. It was the comics inspired the film choice, yeah. which then made Marvel think they needed to do yeah. it in the main Marvel U. As I well. forgot that was a thing. Yeah, that's absolutely yep. true. And that's back. Yeah, and that, that was just Brian Hitch. Brian back Hitch when Brian like, Hitch drew movie stars, <laughs> like everybody looked well, like a movie star. <laughs> and Brian, well, Brian Hitch actually asked Sam Jackson. He reached out to him and said, "Hey, can I do this?" And Sam oh, Jackson was like, for 10 grand? Absolutely, man. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> Sam Jackson was like, I don't, know, I don't know anything about you or this comic book, so I don't care. <laughs> that was literally his response. Was Sam like, Jackson give a fuck. is making credit card commercials with John Travolta as Santa right now. So that dude will do anything for money. All right. <laughs> yeah. JD, how are you today? And I know you didn't plan on talking about this. What did you want to rap about? Uh, well, uh, so I wanted to continue the Star Wars talk just a little bit because I did kind of go off the deep end a little bit and do some deep diving. And I did a deep dive into something on through the lake house, actually, that I hadn't heard anyone else talk about. Uh, they were in the massive slate of Star Wars comics. There's a comic through Marvel called Kanan, the last Padawan. Yeah, it's yeah. great. And Wow. I mean, I've only seen a handful of episodes of Rebels, but I, I already knew I love that character. And I, I posted on uh, on the Facebook group in response to Keith's post. I said, Kanan feels like someone was playing a Star Wars RPG and they wanted to dual class as both a scoundrel and a Jedi. <laughs> yeah. Fair yeah. enough. <laughs> um, I think its name is Kane. I think they pronounce it Kanan. Yeah, I think Kanan? it is like okay. Kanan or Kanan um, or something like that. But uh, yeah, yeah, uh, he's the he is uh, one of the lead characters from Star Wars Rebels. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, at the at that point in the cartoon, uh, which takes place after the comic, obviously, uh, he is the captain of that ship uh, that takes in Ezra and um, they go on many adventures. Uh, great show, great comic. I think I reviewed it at least once or twice. I started watching the show uh, after you guys talked about it last week, and I and I do. I I like Rebels. It's a good show. I also oh, pardon yeah. me. Uh, Frank corrected me. His wife is the captain. Oh, I also oh, started watching right. uh, the Clone Wars, the twenty essential, whatever. I can't yeah, do it. Yeah. I can't do Clone Wars. It's it's just <laughs> it's too kiddie for me. I've tried. I've tried and tried. Yeah. I, I just like, I can't do it. Like for Rebels, it's much more palatable. Definitely, I, just the the tone of it, you know. It's not as um, kiddie. That's why, like, it's 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 an all ages thing, without a doubt. But yeah, Clone Wars feels like it's for kids. I think I think I've done a successful job of watching Clone Wars because I've been watching it at work, and I've been half tuning it out. So it's like I'm getting like the Cliff's Notes version, but I'm not paying a whole lot of attention. That's what I was doing. Yeah, I was watching I it while working, yeah. sure. and then I was just like, all right done i watched three episodes of this and like it's it's just like i remember I'm, i'll try rebels now and rebels i found like okay i'm gonna pause this because i want to watch it this is actually pretty good <laughs> right and they introduce some cool stuff the animation is also better in my opinion yeah so it, it, it's just yeah a, you know yeah, the the, the computer the cgi animation is improved by the time Rebels starts so jd um, you busted open the mandalorian talk let's just yeah. get into it 
Holy yeah, well, shit. One thing is, spoiler <laughs> alert. Spoilers. Spoilers. Big, I have not, spoilers I have not, for Mandalorian. Okay, so now it's my turn to be you, Matt. I have not seen last night's yesterday's oh, episode. Oh, you jackball. All right, we'll wait and we'll talk about it with Frank then. He's oh, he's but, in the chat uh, freaking out. <laughs> I did see in the news this week they have finally pulled the trigger and announced there's going to be an Ahsoka spinoff. Yes. Oh, did they? Yes. Yes. It is. That's coming. confirmed. Uh, that's pretty cool. I have no I problem with love, that. I, think I do it. love between Ahsoka and... Kanan or whatever, however you pronounce it and all that. I love the idea of introducing the idea of these Jedis that escaped Order 66. Yeah. That are kind of Yes, yes. Um, So you watched last week's though, right? Yeah, yeah, with Ahsoka. So um, they name dropped Thrawn, obviously. And so now everybody's like, they're going to bring Ezra onto the show. I Mm -hmm. love Thrawn so much. (laughs) Uh, Because Ezra... Uh, Ezra's story in Rebels was tied so closely to Thrawn and all that stuff is the new canon. Like none of that, t- no, sorry, Timothy Zahn fans, none of the old Thrawn stuff necessarily counts. It's still great though. You should read it. It's yes, well, awesome. yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you and know, and I, as written, like they're current, they'll cherry pick, you know, canon. Yes. No, they asked him to come in and write since Luke, since the, the reboot. Yes. He wrote yes, there's a been new a, There's Thrawn been at book, least one Thrawn novel. And right? it's yeah. excellent. He also worked on the Marvel Thrawn comic, which is like the origin of Thrawn in Star Wars Marvel. I don't cool. believe he wrote it, but he has a credit on working with them. I think it was yeah. Greg Rucka, maybe. I'd, I'd have to look to remember. Yeah. But that series yeah. was kick ass. It was great. I, oh, that, real quick, real quick, talking about Disney Plus, real quick. Uh, watch 616. It's so good. <laughs> what is it? I don't even know what that uh, is. It's a documentary series about Marvel, about different Marvel adjacent stuff. Oh. So the first episode was all about the history <laughs> of Japanese Spider Man. Okay. Yes. Uh, and then a giant robots. Jody Hauser. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Jody, uh, Jody Hauser wrote, wrote Thrawn. The, yeah. the Thrawn. Um, and so then like this, um, the second one was all about like the, the kind of rise of, of female writers and characters at Marvel, specifically Kelly Sudakonic and Sana mm-hmm. Aminat and uh, uh, Ms. Marvel and Captain Mar- uh, Kamala Khan and, and uh, Carol Danvers and all that stuff. Um, one that episode, goes all the way back to like Marie Severin and all of that, that the old footage yeah, of them back, back then. That's cool. Severin is, she's one of those, like she is a pioneer and she does not get enough love. Mm-hmm. Marie Severin, is, yeah, Marie Severin basically, like, the story of how she ended up becoming an actual artist at Marvel yeah. when nobody would let her is, like, it's really something. Um, yeah. Esquire magazine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she was working, like, in the bullpen with a bunch of stinky yeah. dudes smoking cigars yeah. and shit. Like, she was in the shit back in the I, day. I, I, I legit, there was, there's a scene in that episode where uh, Anna Senti and Wheezy Simonson meet up in their apartment, like, current day, and open a box of old stuff from the Marvel Studios. Yeah. From the Marvel bullpen, and I, I got a little misty. It was just really cool to see. Yeah. Just, yeah. I mean. <laughs> there's, there's one. <laughs> there's an episode about Dan Slott and Pete Woods. Uh, oh, putting, not gotten to that one yet. Uh, it's about them putting together the uh, Iron Man 2020 event. Oh, oh cool. that's the next one. Yeah. That's the and, next one. Um, Tom Brevoort is constantly bagging on him on slot for blowing <laughs> deadlines. And it, and it led to this little, like little thing on Twitter where people kept making fun of Dan slot. Yeah. Whereas, whereas uh, like uh, Ramon via via Lobos said, I wish my editor was so happy and jokey with me when I blew my time. 
Uh, well, Brevoort yeah, yeah. and Slot fight on Twitter. Well, fake fight on Twitter a lot. Yeah, right. yeah. And Slot's always like, no, we're like best buddies, whatever. And then Brevoort <laughs> will put up the gif of like that little girl that's like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's super good. Oh yeah, uh, that episode there, with Rob Shear about brute force. Yes. Oh, um, <laughs> oh my god, Paul, I have uh, to watch this. This Paul is Shear. amazing. Yeah, Paul Shear. Yeah, how did this get uh, from the league, and how did this get made? Yeah, um, yeah he was going to. Uh, they talked about him adapting uh, something for Hulu, and it fell through. And so he's like, "Well, what can I work on?" And he ends up trying to pitch this brute force cartoon <laughs> it's it, it's an amazing show and they dropped it oh. all at once i didn't even really yeah. know what was happening i just I, like, I saw people talking about it and i was like oh shit what is this and i just i devoured it it's wonderful there's a cosplay episode that's all about like people making their own costumes and stuff yeah there's an episode about spanish artists like uh javier uh, Sarah Pacelli, or uh, not Sarah Pacelli, um uh, natasha, uh, natasha Bus- Bus- oh, brute Bus- force Bus- brute force was the animals with like yeah. <laughs> okay i just looked it up brute force was the animals and they wore armor and shit they oh my god <laughs> yeah, there was like the dolphin that wore yeah. that like Doctor Echo. It was a real dolphin, like it had no legs. <laughs> it wore armor. I gotta show you. I'm sharing my screen. This is because you guys are not gonna believe me if you've never seen this. But it was like a real fucking dolphin, and it wore oh, armor a, that had oh god arms and that legs. A, that episode, they do a deep dive. I mean, Paul Shear goes and finds the creator of it, and like inter- talks to him in his house, and like backtracks everybody i mean the history of how that how that comic got made and how yeah. it yeah. came a thing and bang how it failed miserably there's a kangaroo that rode like a tricycle thing like those weird new like reverse motorcycles <laughs> a lion and well, they think, all i think they're i think all of their armors could also turn into vehicles yes they could all turn into vehicles yeah, why hell not buying this off the spinner rack at drug town Drug Town. What a great name for a place. Now, Brute Force did <laughs> pop up again more recently in... Seriously? I wanna, yeah, here's an updated picture of them, and we reviewed Whoa. this comic. I can't remember what it was, but we reviewed it on the what show. What comic did they appear in? It was a miniseries. Um, uh, and I could not I believe they brought them back, and I, I think they did it wow, just to that kill art them. Is Open the picture back crazy. up because it had the name. Did if it? you highlight over the... Like, click on it. Plus. Project Brute Force is active. Mouse over the thing. Mouse there. Project uh, Bruce Force. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. From Weapon, Weapon Plus. Plus World War oh, there we go. One. There we go. Yeah. Woo. Oh, so is this <laughs> the thing where we got like where we got like Weapon H and uh, like Hulk Vereen? Oh, uh, that's spun out of there. Okay. Yeah, that spun out oh, of there. God. But <laughs> yeah. in a let's see, in other Disney Plus news, I did see uh, footage from the Hawkeye series being shot. Yes, and uh, I was very happy yeah, because yeah, yeah. we got to see Pizza Dog. Pizza Dog is there. Lucky. Casey was like, people are freaking out about Hawkeye, and I was like, oh yeah, they yeah the show is coming. She's like, no, but people are freaking out about the dog. And I was like, Pizza Dog, and she's like. The <laughs> dog is really named Pizza Dog. Like, yes, that's the dog's name. Oh, the dog's name. Everybody loves Pizza Arrow. Dog. <laughs> and then they changed it to Lucky, but yeah, it's always Pizza Dog. Everybody loves Pizza Dog. <laughs> oh yeah. And Kate that, Bishop that looks that great. Issue of Fraction and Aja's book that was all from the dog's point of view. Yo. Oh, so good. Oh my Fantastic. god. So good. All right, GD, we got to keep things moving. I apologize. Uh, uh 
but uh, appreciate your insight. And we are going to talk to Frank and we are going to ruin the Mandalorian for you. That's so right. throw your phone in the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> so right. Put your fingers in your ears and watch, Bye, watch our mouths move. Frank, Actually, I'm, I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to leave the, the, the chat and go watch the show. That there is fair go. too. Frank, how are you today, sir? Let's get into um, it. I'm doing good guys. I'm doing good. Let's hey, get yeah, Mandalorian it. was amazing. Holy so if uh, for those of you who don't want to be wanted spoiled, Stick your fingers in your ears and go la 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 for the next two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, fucking Holy shit, it was uh, good. Like, I, I wasn't expecting them to just come right out and say it so fast. I know, me <laughs> either. Now, okay, and the other I thing know. is, okay, I, I have complex feelings about Django Fett and Boba Fett yes, being I do clones, too. coming from the original prequels and stuff. Right. Now, when dude showed up, I was like, that's the actor. That's the guy. And then he's immediately like, my dad, Django, owned that armor. And now I I was like, yep, they're going full on Clone Wars. And part of me was like, uh, uh, and then he put the armor on and all those feelings went away. They just went away. (laughs) When he shows up, when he shows up before he gets the armor and he is just like, when he is wrecking dudes with that, with a fucking gaffy stick. Yeah. It's like, I looked at that staff. I'm like, what a weird looking weapon. Like what an oddly shaped thing to swing around. And then he just starts ending people with it. I'm like, Oh my God. That's also the the same stick that the guards had on Jabba's skiff that he was like, that Han and was holding on to in the Sarlacc pit where they were trying to pull oh, him up. It, was it? It's a gaffy I didn't stick. Recognize it. Yeah. All those, right. All right. Those are the gaffy sticks that the sand people use. Yep. Too. All right. Yeah. Um, and then, and then he comes out in that fucking armor. And I just was like, <laughs> I thought my whole body was going to shut down, oh, man. I, I, I hated when they revealed the Django and like baby clone crap. I hated it. Walked out of the theater. Like this is you, you ruined Boba Fett. This is so stupid. And uh, right. somehow that's the thing though. Boba what, Fett was never cool. No, and I agree. He Boba never Fett was. was never cool. No. It was just the promise of something cool that they never yes. delivered on. And everything cool about Boba Fett happened off screen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or in a book. Yeah. yeah. Or, right. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's nothing, see? there was nothing cool about Boba Fett in the two me- movies we saw him in. Right. And now uh, we have something. We and have a this, background. This thing delivered on 40 years of promise. We have a story. In a half hour. We have the idea Finally. that not only are there Mandalorians like the Mandalorian who came from the planet and like took the vow and everything, there's other Mandalorians that do it differently. And then there's guys like Boba Fett who have just had the armor in their family for a long time and this is how they do it. And Well, I did, I oh, did like that cool. they kind of... Um, <laughs> I don't know if they came all out and said that Django Fett was an actual Mandalorian, but they that didn't. he fought with them. Yeah, they didn't. He said, my father fought with the Mandalorians. And, and they like, gifted him this armor. And that's why Mando was like, well, then that armor belongs that to belongs you. That belongs to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, He's not and, a Mandalorian, though. We know that. No, and, yeah. He's a clone. Uh, <laughs> right. He's a little but, Kiwi clone no, of his uh, dad. <laughs> no, he said uh, uh, Django Fett was a foundling, like, like, right. like Mando. Yeah. So right. he just didn't, he just never took the creed. Yeah. He was a kid. They um, so like maybe they raised him, you know, or whatever. Right. And uh, I, I like, I just, I loved that because it's always been so like, well, he's wearing Mandalorian armor, but he's not a Mandalorian. Blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Like all of this, like needless confusion about Boba Fett's status uh, while he's being slowly digested by a star. Right. <laughs> But what we didn't uh, know was the Mandalorian. Find out. The Mandalorian told us the origin of Boba Fett. We just didn't know he has the same origin as this guy. 
It's like same thing. Yeah. He was a kid they found. They took him in. They made him a badass. He got some armor. There you go. He ended up it's a bounty like, hunter. Right. He, I can't like, and I cannot stress enough. He was all, I was already thrilled with what was going on with him before he gets the armor back. Yeah. And then he comes out of the ship and he's like shooting rockets from his kneecaps. Oh man. <laughs> it's just like, uh, what the, he is the, thank you. You did it. Boba Fett is the coolest. Oh, we, we got it. We got there. He we also did put a bunch of like mechanical steam powered crap in Ming Na's tummy, <laughs> which was kind of like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, all right. <laughs> I guess. Uh, okay. You can do that too. Huh? All right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I absolutely loved it. And uh, you know, the, the big cliffhanger with uh, uh, the dark troopers. Oh, wait, flying robot dark troopers. That was crazy. I uh, see. It was, I didn't expect them to be robots. I thought they were going to be they, dudes that were enhanced by the force or whatever, but no, they had, they, they, they seem to be robots the way they moved. Maybe they're cyborgs. They're robots. Well, they, cause they like you, they showed their, like you could see their legs. Like, yeah. There's, there's no, they have joints. There's no room for body parts. Yeah. In there. They, they have, are, like, mechanical. they are robots yeah. most yeah. definitely. And yeah, that's what I thought too. They're not, we thought at first like the dark troopers, I, the stuff I read on the web anyway, was like the dark troopers might be like, they wanted uh Grogu, you know, baby Yoda, whatever to experiment on him. And, and teach the force to soldiers or put the force in soldiers genetically or something. And we thought that's what they were going to be. But it looks like these dark troopers are just flying fucking robots. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe the thing with the force uh, experiments is something, uh, obviously something else. Well, obviously we, that's, that's the, the thing about the yes. emperor and yes. Snoke. And I we mean, also was- saw uh, Moff, uh, like Gideon, Moff Gideon on the ship walking by a series of suits that look like what if Darth Vader was a stormtrooper? Nobody's right. in them. They're just on the wall. But those right. sure looked like some cross between Darth Vader stormtrooper outfits. Well, look at look at what Moff Gideon was wearing. He's he was he looked like he was Darth Vader. Darth Vader, yeah, full on Vader-esque. Vader chest piece, no question. Yep. Yeah, yep. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was such a great episode. I I. I can't wait to watch it again. And the part, the part where Grogu is just tossing around stormtroopers. It's awesome. And then he gets up and then he's like, he's like, not nah, bam, not nah, bam. I'm like, that's great. And the stormtroopers are like, stop it. Stop. But, <laughs> but oh man, Mothgate. I, I actually, I, like, I actually got a little, you know, I, it's a show. I get it. And, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, it's going to take us where it takes us. But, like, for a second there, I was like, oh no. Grogu is gonna go dark because it looked for a second like he was gonna kill those two that two guys. Uh for yeah, for a like minute. he was now, force choking them. Like uh yeah. do you, do you forget what, Grogu what, murdering those babies in the jar that the lizard woman was carrying or those were eggs, <laughs> not those babies. Oh. Eggs. Those are just eggs. I'm sorry, those Joe. When does babies. life begin for you? For me, it's at conception. Okay, oh, shut up. <laughs> Whatever. Well, they weren't conceived yet. They were just eggs. Again, no conception. They were still um, the endangered and her babies, you monsters. Oh, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what, what I was thinking was, like I said, I mentioned this last time we talked about the, uh, the, the force, you know, the other force sensitive people throughout the universe. Yeah. And it, when you watched, when you watch Rebels, you, it, you could see, um, Ezra going down the force, the going down the path of like the middle. You know, he's going down that yes. middle path, and I have a feeling there, there, there are those. There are other Jedi. There are the white. There are those white Jedi that were in the temple. I don't right. think they were killed. Okay, you've got, but I also think you've got 
other force sensitive force users out there. And I think Ezra is one of them. And I, but I think he's going to show up. He's the, I think he's the Jedi that gets the call because he's keyed into it. I have a feeling. You know? Yeah. And I think Ezra's showing up and I, and I'm like, I'm like, they, they, this is how they bring Ezra Bridger into this. And I can't wait. So I, can't, I have a feeling. Cause that's really weird. Look, we've had enough movies of the Skywalker family and right. the history of the Jedi, the monk order or whatever. Great, great, great. Right. The way more interesting are the other people touched by the force, the gray areas, the Ashoka type characters. Yes. Jedi's that escaped, Jedi's that went bad. Uh, Moff Gideon, who may or may not be force touched, but does have some type of saber thing, the dark saber, which was last night, the first time we saw the dark no. saber and it looked like. No. no, no, I know it wasn't the first time we oh, saw it, but okay. I mean, was it the last, was it the first time it kind of looked like a samurai sword? I don't remember it looking like no. It has that samurai point. point. It, it it has that kind of edge to look. it, not not like a normal lightsaber. Okay. I didn't it remember it bladed like that. look. But we have yeah. no idea what the dark saber is, right? No clue. Um, it's, it's, it's in, in Rebels. Rebels. It's in Rebels. Oh, okay. It's the I haven't gotten there saber. yet. So that that was the first saber that was ever made. Um, and it's not it's not that it's a, an evil weapon. It's not like a dark. It's not like a, a Sith weapon. It's just like a prototype. Like it's yeah, it's like a prototype weapon, and it but but it's really powerful, um, because it's like the one of the first ones. Okay, I haven't gotten there yet in Rebels, so yeah, I, I wasn't okay. Certain. So when you get there, so it, it's, it's not necessarily the mark of a Jedi thing. It's more just the mark of the prototype to the lightsaber. Right, okay. right. And one one of my one of my favorite lines from from um, the Mandalorian is just the fa- the fact that that when he says, "So you want me to go." find a bunch of wizards and when he talks when he's talking to the armor telling in, in season one when she gives him yeah. the assignment like oh so you want me to go find these wizards that are the enemy of our people yeah <laughs> and and she's like yes yeah i'll do that yeah sure yeah, and she's kind of like well, the way. we'll get over it you know <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that happened and it's done and you're holding one now and you haven't right. killed him so get over it and yes go figure was, it out and i also like that she was like it's not me I'm not a fucking Jedi. Right. And I, I really, oh, yeah, no, that was great. That, that was, was one thing that like I, the problem that I had with Ashoka, you know, coming out of the clone wars and the, her background, she, she full on admits right there. Hey, Matt, I'm talking to you. I never became a Jedi. I wasn't even actually a real Padawan. I worked right. with this guy who went bad. It freaked me out. I learned some stuff from him. I'm not doing that anymore. And I really like that because it, it cleans up a lot of that mess too. Yeah. And if you want, well, and I will say this, I would go back and watch the last season of, um, of Clone Wars because it is all about, uh, Ahsoka Tano. It's all about her. There's there's very little Obi-Wan. There's very little, uh, Anakin. Um, so this is kind of more backstory for her. It's only, I think it's only like seven episodes or eight episodes or something. Yeah. Not that long. Uh, so Matt, I just dropped a link in, in the Facebook chat. Uh, to an image of the dark saber, because uh, for some reason it, I can't share my own screen. But the, uh, the dark but yeah, it's saber. definitely got that kind of bladed edge look. Okay, yeah, because that was I just maybe it was just the best look we've seen of it yet. I mean, it was the closest we it yeah, yeah the closest it, the, the most close up we've seen. It in, definitely in the show. looked different to me when I saw it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it definitely looked like that the first time they showed it. And I, and I remember thinking, it's like, wow, it's, it actually has like a blade on it and not just, you know, a, a tube of light coming out of it. Yeah. Right. And it like retracts 
like a switchblade, kind of. But yeah. now here's the other thing. The handle is impossibly short to hold that blade. So there's something going on there. Well, what yeah. What are you talking I, about? I mean, like, the well, blade is I, much longer than the handle. When it retracts, blade, it should come out the other end. So I don't long. think the blade, I think it's like a lightsaber where it's made of energy. Yeah, it's not um, real. Yeah, I mean, it's not an actual knife. Right. No, so. look at this and look at this blown up picture. It's uh, yeah, I tried to, and for some reason it wouldn't it wouldn't load your so I've got a different picture of it right here that I'm gonna Yeah, no, this this hilt is long and it's got like a hand guard on it, like a traditional sword even. Uh kind of like uh Kylo Ren's uh you know, had the little crossbar thing. Right. I'm trying to get the oh, good geez. picture of it. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Ah. Got yeah, it. I don't need the light on, honey. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, not a problem. Here's a good picture of it right here. But obviously, this blade is much longer than the hilt. So there is something going on with that. No, Matt, it's made of energy. There's nothing. That's not how energy works. No, I get it. I'm just saying on the show, when we got a close look at it, it looked like a physical kind of blade thing. And it retracted the same way. It was weird. Looking. Is, I don't know. But lightsabers retract that way, too. They I, don't just switch off. No, I guess that's true. Yeah. Now, who is like this you, man? Like you're, the, you're talking like the energy has to get stuffed back into the tube. That's not <laughs> how it works. <laughs> who is this man holding this in this picture? Uh, oh, I don't know. I don't I remember don't that remember. guy. But it's something from Clone Wars, right? Yeah. No, no, that's not from Clone Wars. That's from Rebels. That's from Rebels. Look, this whole, this whole hilt, it, it oh. extends a good four inches beyond his hand on both ends. I agree. And we agree that the sword is longer than that, too. So, And we also agree <laughs> that, like, that's not how lightsabers work. And I'm not sure why you're obsessed right. with no, the shape I, of I'm it. No, I'm not. I'm not. I it just, I want to know more about this. And I think we're, the mysteries that they are cleaning Mysteries are cleaning up are awesome. And the new ones that they are adding are also very cool. But at the same time, this all happened right after Return of the Jedi, correct? Five years after. Okay. The, uh, five well, years Mandalorian after. is five years after Jedi. Okay. Um, Rebel, Rebels, uh, when does Rebels take place? Uh, it's like, it's like f f a couple of years before. It's the lead up to Star Wars. Like you can okay, see so in, it's a it's a it's after the Clone Wars, but so, before right. But do you do you remember what was that? It's a show I can show it to you later. Um, do you remember in the in the movie? Um, the, the one I can I can never remember the movie, but it's like the heist movie where they get the the information for the Death Star. Rogue One, yeah, yeah. Rogue One, in Rogue One. You can see um Chopper in Rogue One, and you could also see the the ship from Rebels in that movie. Oh, so, I didn't know yes, that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, dude. No watch, shit. Watch it again. Yeah. In the scene, there's a scene. Dad, you're, I will you're definitely have to go back and watch that again. Now. Oh yeah. I didn't know that oh, yeah. was there. No yeah. Well, shit. It, you weren't watching rebels. So that's why you probably, you might yeah, miss it. Yeah. It yeah. would have been lost yeah. on me. So they've had these plans for a long time. And I, I don't know. I think it's, I love where they're going with this. And I like that it's picking up steam. I felt like the first couple episodes were just sort of, you know, they were good, but it was just sort of like another chapter, the story of the Mandalorian. And now they've yeah. really rolled into, oh, okay, yeah. oh, let's yeah. get into it. I think and they're rolling man. everything in. They're, they're, they're literally rolling all of the Star Wars, yeah. the, that expanded universe stuff right into this. And I think it's going to be, this is, this is, I think, the launch pad for so many cool things that are going to come out of Star Wars that Definitely. have nothing to do with Skywalker. Definitely. At all. 
know? Yeah, and that's where we need to go at this point. Yes, I want to see these absolutely. other stories, the Grey Jedis, the the history of this stuff, what happened in these spaces between Return of the Jedi and the new movies and stuff like that. That's really interesting. And yeah. sky's the limit, man. Let's do I'm, it. I'm nodding my head furiously right now. <laughs> All, right. All right. Frank, Frank not we got, furiously. All right. <laughs> we got to let you go, buddy. Okay. And yeah. obviously you've yeah. got your hands full. Yeah, you sound like you're being yeah. attacked. Yeah. So good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. Always yeah. nice to talk to you, man. Mr. Brian Domingos, I'm going to unmute you now. I'm asking to unmute you. Pardon me. Let me be polite. How are we today, sir? I consent. That's fine. Thank you. <laughs> I'm asking for consent. <laughs> thank you for thank you for your consent. I appreciate it. What are I we rapping about today, Brian? Um, I'm I'm psyched that people are really enjoying the Mandalorian and they're excited for Star Wars because I feel like there's like nostalgia and then like misery. It's yes. like kind of the dance of the Star Wars coin. Oh, so, yeah. nobody, nobody hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, I, I don't care. Like, I, it never was a thing for me. And my son was curious about watching The Mandalorian. And we probably saw six episodes of season one. And I'm like, hey, season two's out. Do you want to watch? And he's like, no. Uncle. really like, okay maybe someday yeah <laughs> okay. just, it's it's very slow you know it's kind of um yeah it's like it's fine i i didn't think it was like it's it's the most star wars i've watched probably in my life so um that is um something but um oh yeah like hearing you guys talk about it like it's it's like probably what it sounds like when i'm talking about comics with someone like i don't care about that but good for you it's that got people great. excited again, excited. which is good because and, and i'm not yeah. saying yeah. i hated the last three movies i liked them they were fun there was some definite problems with them and there was some stuff that is extremely reminiscent of the first three movies that it's sort of like we'll just do it again you know and i feel like we all kind of came away from it either so angry that we want to murder the internet or just kind of like yeah it was it was it was good it was all right this is injecting excitement again and like you said nobody hates star wars like star wars fans right after we watched this the Mandalorian last night, Casey and I watched the latest Star Trek and like Star Trek discovery is wonderful. And Casey's really been enjoying it. And she's like, I think it's pretty amazing that star Wars has a female heroine and people lose their fucking minds and want to murder all women. But Star Trek fans are like, bring on the trans character, bring on the black female. Like we love it. You know? Like, yeah. Well, that's Star Trek though. <laughs> yeah. 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 Star Trek's Star Trek, uh, Star Trek's message has always been about unity and right. Inclusiveness. Yeah. And star Wars has yeah, been a fairy tale for about, boys. Yeah, pretty much. They were mad about, you know, Uhura, what 40 years ago, 45 years ago. 60 well, years ago. Actually, they weren't mad so, about her. They thought she was super hot. They got mad when she kissed a white dude. <laughs> like that. oh, that's true. Like, we all agree she's it's, hot. We're not going to say it out loud, but when she kisses a white dude, that's too much. You know? <laughs> it's so it's so funny and so quaint where they do that episode where it's like the white and black guy versus the black and white guy. Yeah. And it's like, ooh, like <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. metaphor. <laughs> like like it's it's hugely important. And like, you know, <laughs> casting all those people and doing all that stuff was really oh, most definitely. Um Great. I, I have more respect for the Star Trek stuff than the Star Wars stuff because I do feel like it's it is very like you get into the people with, with people who are like really into it and it's like, dude, this is like space wizard stuff. Like what are we talking about? And they're like, No, 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 it's about like Joseph Campbell. I'm like, it's space wizards. Yeah. Like let's let's come down a little bit. <laughs> it is. Um I'm glad you like it, but like let let's not act like it's bigger than it is. Yeah. But um I uh yesterday I finished um the Jimmy Olsen, um, the Matt Fraction, um, Steve Lieber, Jimmy Olsen. It was so good. Paperback. And I, <laughs> all, so I, good. all I want is that 
every comic fan in the world to get a trade a copy of that for Christmas. Yeah. Or Hanukkah or whatever. Because it is like it it's a huge payoff. Mm-hmm. It's worth the effort. It's twelve issues that is like immaculate. Like, I would argue there's there's a it's also the kind of comic that you could give to lapsed comic fan and be like, hey, I heard this was great. And they would pick it up and read it and just go, this is wonderful. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's so, it's like almost effortlessly funny. Yeah. For, and for the yeah. dumbest, for the dumbest reasons, like those stupid little, uh, chapter intros you know where it's oh, a, every every where, every two and a half pages it's like and it's like a, and, and it's like now? a different yeah. it's like superman's albatross jimmy olsen <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, a different adjective they're, yeah they are they're like endlessly funny and like it's like steve lieber was the perfect guy to draw that because he's so good at like like facial expressions and sight gag because like his artwork is almost like deadpan by like definition oh absolutely yeah like i i think like guys like like kevin mcguire are like really you know he's really good at expression and like telling a story with with a look but he's also kind of like slapstick definitely like you you can see it like you can feel the energy of like giddy goofiness where steve lieber stuff is like wait for it like this is gonna pay like where there's a part towards the end where jimmy olsen is just just nonchalantly eating a banana (laughs) <laughs> like just kind of, like he's and there's a, like there's there's this big like threat like yelling at him and he's just like eating a banana and he throws it in the street and like it has this payoff of like oh like it it was worth like the nine panels that it took like these little movements of things mm-hmm. and um well, they're just they're so good fraction it's, is it's the comedian so- and lieber is the straight man it's absolutely it's Abbott and yeah. Costello. Fractions like here's the wackiest script I could possibly come up with. Now you do your straight man Steve Lieber business with it, and it will be laugh out loud ridiculous. It's just perfect. Oh, well, yeah, I, I need to read it. I need to reread it from the beginning, uh, like uh, in one sitting, because like I'm remembering things that like. Wait, like why the fuck is Dexter there all of a sudden? Like for no reason. Yeah, there's there is no explanation of of her being there. Like of well, that she's a like why she does what she does. Um, she's just there to you know basically for the sight gag of ripping up his pants and then um, filling every panel with red blood. Well, red know, blood. Yeah. Uh, she's also there for the same um, reason they like did this crap back in the fifties where it was just like. Pardon me, in the 60s, where they were just like, screw it. It's, uh, you know, this is the comic book. Super pets. Yeah, where Jimmy Olsen has to marry female King Kong, and Superman is the witch doctor that's overseeing the wedding, because that's what's happening. So, Oh, my God. And he's like, he meets his, like, his current wife, who he forgot to get annulled. And she's like, don't you remember the last time you were in Gorilla City? And he's like, no, I don't. She's like, we were there, we got married. He's like, oh, that wasn't the last time I was there. That was the second last time. And she's like, how often you go there he's like have you been there it's pretty it's a gorilla city it's pretty awesome it's yeah it it is a it probably took me like three nights to get through because it's so dense and like you have to like really take your time and i think i read eight or nine issues as they came out monthly and then i just sort of like bagged the rest of them i knew they were coming out and like i don't have and I'll, i'll read i'll read the trade is basically what i said but um Put so that one on the THN gift guide when I got that's on end. there. So there you go. Yeah. It's, it's so great. And it's, um, yeah, I just, I was like, like, I felt weird. Like I, I want to just like 
tweet at Steve Lieber like this book is amazing, and I know they like that, but they all, I also feel like it's like it, it, like it's too easy. But it's like because I, I mean more than that. It's like it's not like <laughs> life changing, but it's like it's so good. Yeah. Like it's so funny and so so like Jimmy shows up in a frogman suit, like a scuba suit, and he unzips it and he's got a tux underneath. Yeah, <laughs> and then he goes and has a confrontation, and then he uh, and then he takes the, the the tux off and he's got a frog suit underneath. Like. <laughs> <laughs> to go back in the water and it's like holy shit man like because you know fraction's like you know it would be funny what if he does this and then when he leaves he does he reverses it and it's like yep nailed it everything's good so um, brian have you read fraction sex criminals um i have i read the i don't know probably first six or seven issues um i, I haven't um caught up at all i think you should give it another shot i think now that you've sort of rolled around in in fractions writing Give it another shot because it is just as funny, just as smart. I mean, obviously, it's much more adult and touching on some very adult themes, but it's an incredible book. I, I think Matt Fraction is a treasure, and the guy does not write enough stuff. I, I want him back full-time writing things, please. Um, Adventure Man is the other thing he's working on at Image. It is amazing. The first trade paperback is out, and it is amazing. You need to pick that up wonderful stuff yeah i i think i had maybe the first two trades like of of, uh sex criminals and it's it's wacky and i know that they've gotten um more you know it's sort of like matured in its own weird immature way yeah it just Um, ended too well it's funny it's like i don't i was i'm thinking oh well how many issues is it i know the final issue was like issue 69 but yeah. i'm pretty sure it wasn't 69 issues so. i think it was something like 36 um, yeah but they did yeah, like so 69 like, the last issue like screw you math <laughs> well they did a they did a little like hardcover like a tiny little book um probably i don't know seven or eight years ago it's called like just the tips and yeah. it's like a, it's <laughs> all these like jokes and so yeah. i had that and i had it on my nightstand and my my wife's friend was bringing some like baby clothes over and she saw and she was kind of like weirded out that there was like a just the tips book like next to the bed and my wife's like no it's a joke it's a comic like don't worry it's it's not a like a thing like it's not like a a, a sex journal kind of thing like no 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 it's, it's a it's an embarrassing joke we're yeah it's an embarrassing joke but that's you know, I'm sure that's everything that Fraction and Chip Zarsky were hoping for. Oh so, yeah, uh, absolutely. Oh for yeah. sure. My to God. get that reaction. There's like a one. There's like a one page thing that, and I can't remember what issue it is for the life of me. Or no, it was the special that they did. It was a sex criminal special that starred the guy that was the sexual porn, Gary. Sexual Gary, and it had the list of all the porn films that he's been in. And that list, if you follow Fraction and um, Oh my God, I can't say his name all of a sudden. Chip Zdarsky. If you follow Fraction Zdarsky on Twitter, they were like, as many made up porn films as you can, go. And they just started tweeting. And like the timestamp is like, they're 30 seconds apart at the most. And they cranked them out. (laughs) It was incredible. And then they just took that and stuck it in the Sexual Gary book as his body of work. (laughs) It's it's amazing. (laughs) No, they're they're so funny. And I'm glad that they became like really good friends doing this thing. Definitely. Um, And um, yeah, I, I, I am always up for more fraction stuff i didn't love adventure man that much really um, i thought I, I i don't love the dodson so i was kind of like i don't know there's i'll i might if it's on hoopla i might uh, give it another read but i, I um I, I read the first issue and was like i you know it was that feeling of like i understand why people would like this 
Fair enough. I don't think it's for me. I'm a huge. Um, I yeah, and like if, so. for me, like sex criminals never really did anything for me because you're a prude. But yeah. I, I, rec- I recognize why people don't enjoy it. Um, I don't know what a, a binge session of reading like 36 issues in a row would be like, but um, <laughs> you know, it'd be some like sting level uh, tantric, you know, it, reading kind yeah, of thing. So. Yeah. It goes so far away from that as well, though. It's not just like sex joke after sex joke. Like it has a lot of heart. There's some really like emotional heft to the book. It's it's a wonderful book. I, I think if you like I'll, saga, I'll probably revisit it someday. Like if you like saga and the way that they treat certain like sexual subjects in saga, where it's very real and very in your face. I mean, it's not much different other than the fact that this isn't sci-fi. There's still just as much heart. It's and it's beautiful to look at. Zadarsky's a wonderful artist. I can't say enough about that book. I love it. Hey, I there's, mean, not there's to, a space lizard sucking itself off. That's not um, <laughs> uh, I mean, no, but there's other things sucking itself off. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, not to not to switch subjects so rapidly, but uh, speaking of Chip Zdarsky, uh, is, are you current on Daredevil? <laughs> I am not. Uh, I I am. Um, I. It's yes. I I am I am caught up. I think. Um, it's an interesting choice. Um, are you talking about spoilers or, I mean, it's kind of everywhere, but I'd spoil yeah. it. Spoil it. Who, Do ca- it. Matt, who cares about Matt? Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Go. Um, he, that Matt turned himself into jail, which I think is like the worst part of the book. I just think that whole, like that guy yes. died. It's like, Matt, how many men people have been, have died as a response to your actions? Like, Thousands, yeah, thousands. But this one guy is like really hurting him for something. And reason. also, so, we've already done the Daredevil in jail thing. Well, maybe this is the right. straw well, that broke Daredevil's back. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> whatever. It, it well, it it, it kind of felt like, oh, is that what we're doing? Okay, like that. That's a pretty like it's a valid feeling. Yeah, but like given the context of his entire career, like we've seen this before. But he turns himself into jail, and so he goes to jail as Daredevil, not as Matt. So he's in jail in his orange like convict outfit but he says it's an orange mask which is really funny that shit drives um, me nuts I, I thought it was the I thought it was the coloring but I was like oh no it's orange but Electra <laughs> shows up and she's like oh it, it's time for you to go we gotta get out of here um, there's all the stuff going on with the hand and he's like no I'm in jail I'm staying here and she's like no you have to like stop let's go um, and he says I'm staying and you don't really know what it's like to have to be responsible for anything because you've never had to do that so like see in two years so she leaves and she gets mad and then she decides I'm going to show him. So she becomes daredevil um, to save um, yeah. Hell's kitchen. Whoa. So yeah, now Electra is daredevil and she looks badass. Whoa. Okay. I got to catch up. I'm two issues behind. So I obviously need to catch I, up. <laughs> I like, I think, I don't think the suit is that great, but I love her crazy giant hair. Like it is. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it looks like Medusa. It's beautiful. Oh it's yeah. Like this amazing. It's like, it's, it looks like there's a, a panel where she's walking through the prison and I think it's like eight feet tall. Like it's this huge <laughs> black mass of like curly sexiness. It's like, she's yeah. amazing. Like I, I love a good electric story and they, they do reference um, a John Romita junior page from an earlier story. Um, like I think it's page one or page two of the issue where, um, Marco Cheese uh, Cheeto does a really good um, impression oh, of it. Like, uh, from uh, Daredevil Man Without Fear. Yeah, I think that's where it's I from. think that's where that's from. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a good little scene, and they um, so we'll see what happens with with her doing that. I mean, that makes I don't know. It's that's cool. 
No, yeah. that's cool. I'll but, catch up. I do love Zdarsky's Daredevil. It's it's been wonderful, just wonderful. All right, Brian, we have to shake you loose because we have to wrap it up. Yep, I got no, some stuff. Matt's got to gotta, uh, meet his drug dealer in a few minutes. So. You know how that goes. So if I don't have my drugs, I get just cranky. Another, just another Saturday in Omaha. Yeah, that's right. I should say I get cranky er uh, if I don't meet my drug dealer. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm going to be there by 1 p.m. You don't want us to meet me. I guess. Yeah, right, yeah. Have a good he's one, a guys. businessman. He expects me to be on time. <laughs> have a good Brian, one, Brian. Miss Branch, get Peter Parker on the phone. Yes, Mr. Jameson. All right, time to get to these damn voicemails. Let's see what we got here. This first one. Oh, it's a robot. Hello, this is Baal from Earth 27 calling on behalf of Mark. Mark is out of the office this week at a conference. Also, he is a mutated creature with a five-section face and is incapable of human speech. I do remember There that. have been some recent changes to Mark's physical condition. Previously, Mark's body was largely gelatinous, but he has recently developed a leathery external layer. Oh, that's good news. I definitely remember the gelatin. As it that's means he news. no longer leaves a mucus residue on objects he comes into contact with. <laughs> that's good the mucus news. he excretes causes hallucinations in most types of mammalian life, and staff from the accounting department have been visiting the laboratories when it was unoccupied and licking the equipment in an attempt to ingest the slime. While the effects are entertaining, I have found the frequency of these events somewhat annoying. I would like to clarify that local countermeasures have not been deployed at any point, and any individuals who may be missing have definitely not been disintegrated. Recent hyperspatial particle storms have limited our ability to contact the Earth Prime dimension, but we have succeeded in communicating with an Earth Prime resident called Carl Terringnot. I have asked Carl if he could provide us with an account of conditions on Earth Prime in the year 2020. Carl's response was as follows. <laughs> I have edited Carl's response somewhat. The original consisted of the following, 120 minutes of incoherent screaming, 10 minutes of disconsolate sobbing, 666 seconds of ominous silence. This week Mark has been listening to the Shadow Over Insmouth podcast. Shadow Over Innsmouth is the third season of an ongoing H.P. Lovecraft audio drama podcast from the BBC. This season follows on directly from the last season, The Whisperer in Darkness. The third season attempts to tie up some of the loose plot threads from previous seasons, and is slightly plot-heavy, but still excellent. Mark gives the Shadow Over Innsmouth four leathery face sections out of five. Before his apparent complete psychological breakdown, Earth Prime Carl mentioned that he recently stress-watched the four seasons of The Magicians currently available on Netflix in a two-week period. Despite the extremely questionable visual effects and increasingly absurd narrative, Carl found the series an enjoyable distraction from the terrifying events on Earth Prime. Carl rates The Magician's three leathery face sections out of five. <laughs> that is all for now. Goodbye. I never watched them. I know you liked the magicians, didn't you? Um, I only saw the first couple seasons, I think, or the first season and a half. Uh, I did really like what I watched. I mean, it's, you know, it's in that same sci-fi original vein as right. Eureka and Warehouse 13, you know, so like the, the storytelling is really good, um, but of the effects are. They're the sci-fi. Effects. Yeah, they're sci-fi effects. 
you know, what can um, you- but it's based on a book series, uh, which I have never read, but I know that JD got a catch has mentioned it on the show before. Yeah. I know people um, love it. Definitely. But I liked the show. Uh, I, you know, I, I never finished it, but, uh, I, I need to get back to that, but fair enough. So next one is from our buddy, Mr. James Kaplan. We love this guy. Hey guys, James Kaplan here. Uh, with kind of an answer for the question of the week. Um, in sort of thinking about the transition of how movies have influenced comics, um, I wasn't so much thinking of a specific character, but I was thinking that I feel like, and maybe this is my imagination, but I feel like costumes have become ever so slightly more realistic, or I don't even know if realistic is the right word, but I feel like Captain America's costume, for example, in the comics, I feel like has become a little bit more tactical looking, you know, stuff like that. Like, feel like there's been a little bit of a sort of practicality influence as far as costumes go um, in the, I mean, in, in, in the, from the movies to the comics. The funny part, of course, is a lot of that, frankly, started in um, Miller and Hitch's Ultimates, but I feel like it sort of made its way all the way back around. Um, the other sort of amusing example I was thinking of, of, of where the, Movies didn't have to influence the comics was with regards to Christopher Reeve's Superman, because I was thinking that like Christopher Reeve's Superman, he himself is basically like if um, if a Kurt Swan or a Jorge, Jorge Luis Garcia Lopez drawing basically just came to life. Oh, yeah. That, that yes. would look like Christopher Reeve's Superman. So anyway, I was just thinking of that. Um, speaking of DC, I was just going to say um, I only I kind of caught up with it late, but I recently read the other history of the DC Universe issue one, and I thought that was really great. Like, it's not exactly a comic per se; it's like sort of an illustrated comic style story, I guess. Yeah. Uh, with a lot of more prose, but um, it was really interesting, and I, I I thought it was really good, and I'm I'm excited to uh, to read more of it. Anyway, uh, take care. Bye. Thank you, James. <clears throat> we just reviewed the other history of the DCU on the show this week. We both loved it, but I agree. It's not as much a comic as it is just a narrative story with pictures. Yeah, it's an illustrated history. Yeah. It was great. Um, you know, I, I agree with James, and that's probably the closest thing uh, that I have to an answer to this question is, like, Captain America specifically looking more like a military I'll give you that. Um, now, soldier instead of a superhero. I guess thinking about this, I was trying to think of another character outside, and I'm going to say Sam Jackson doesn't count because, as we talked about, he started as Sam Jackson in the Ultimates, and then Sam Jackson was hired for the movies, so doesn't count. Yeah. But I would say it's really hard to think of anyone outside of Robert Downey Jr. really affecting the character because Helmsworth. I mean, definitely was a sillier Thor, but I don't think that reflected a sillier Thor. We don't really have that kind of Thor comics. in the comics. And like Chris, um, Chris, uh, I'm sorry, Chris Pine, not Chris Pine. Who's the other Chris? It's Chris Pratt. No, Captain America. Chris Evans. Chris Evans is just playing Captain America. I mean, no question. Right, but you know, I like I will say this. Uh, Chris Pratt's Star-Lord now is the comic book Star-Lord. No question. That was the one that I was going to go to. I mean, like Star-Lord maybe was kind of a Han Solo type character, but he is now without question Chris Pratt. Yeah. The the only other thing that really popped into mind was like the organic web shooters. You know, where it's after the Raimi movies, they're like, yeah, we probably better give them organic web shooters. Yeah, yeah, which is gross and doesn't make any sense. And yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> All right, Joe Patrick, set these kids up with a new question of the week for this week, and then we got to get out of here. All right. This week's question was submitted by Trevor via the THN forums. My rewatch of The Mandalorian got me wondering, if the Jawas are on other planets, how do they transport their sand crawlers? Do they have some sort of giant crawler hauler ship? What's something like, you know, do they build them on site? So the question is, what is something you're sure must exist in a fictional in a fictional universe, but just hasn't been? Oh, this uh, is great. Just hasn't really shown up or been explained. This is great. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> like, so like your explanation possibly for something that yeah, has like, to exist. Like a no prize explanation for something that must be, that must exist. Right. It's got to exist. There has to be a Jawa spaceship. I mean, there has to be. They're not just showing up and building tanks out of, you know, giant tanks out of garbage. Or maybe they are. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they're scavengers, so I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. We'll do it right here next week on THN. We talked about a bunch of comics on the show today, and you can find all the ones we talked about in our required reading list in the show notes. Be sure to check that out. I already told you how to contact us, but we will be back next Wednesday for the regular show for a cosmic long box edition of THN where we are talking kitty comics, specifically super kitties, teams of super plucky teams. teams. Yeah, teams specifically. It's going to be fun. We will be back with you right here next Saturday for another cover to cover. Same THN time, same THN channel, so be sure to tune in. But for now, my name is Matt Baum. And my name is Joe Patrick. And this is a Two-Headed Nerd, signing off.